insurance agents from around the world. Welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast, powered by Glovebox. God, I love Glovebox. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for iProtect Insurance and Financial Services, based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome, he is a six foot three sophomore from Sarah Land, Alabama. Parade first team All-American, rivals five-star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and a great American. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? Great, Scott. How are you today? Bradley, we need to get one thing straight that we should have gotten straight the very first day you and I ever met. Okay. I want to know the answer to this. Okay. This is a question that has plagued me for years. And when I say years, I, folks, I'm talking about years. Okay. I'm frigid with anxiety. I have done that introduction for you 221 times. Mm-hmm. I've done it more than that, but I've done it 221 times live on this show. Mm-hmm. And not one time have I ever asked you, okay. You live in Sarah land. Correct. Your agency now is in downtown mobile. Used to be our old podcast studio. A lot of nostalgia there. It means it kind of means a lot to you and I both where you are, but you grew up like Scott grew up in damn, in damn nowhere, (laughs) right? Nowhere USA. Yep. The town that Bradley grew up in, and I've been through it. Everybody in the world's been through it because well, not through it, but close to it, going down yeah. I-65 to the beach. But I wanted, what's the name of it? Is it Ardmore? Not Ardmore. Ardmore in North Alabama. That's right. Ardmore's yeah. up here. Yeah, Atmore. I was not in prison. The state prison's in that. Right. Atmore State Prison, one of the toughest prisons in the country. You go to Atmore State Prison, folks, you got a Holman big problem. Correctional. Right. My question to you, Bradley, is this. When I do your introduction from this day forth, what is today? June the 9th, I believe. Is it the 9th? June the 9th. I think so. Year of our Lord, 2022. Would you like for me to say Mobile, Sarah Land, or Atmore? Uh, Mobile. Just to make it easier for the people who aren't close to here because a lot of people do know where Mobile is. Right. When I'm traveling and stuff, I tell people I'm from Mobile. I mean, even at more, even though it's an hour away, it's still kind of, cons- I mean, Mobile's the closest metropolitan area to it. Uh, I don't go back there much. Don't like going back there much. You know, one of the agents that work with us here, uh, Josh, he and I grew up together. Um, he said the same thing. It's just like, you know, it's not, yeah. it's one of those places everybody knows everybody, everybody knows everybody's business yeah. and everybody's dated everybody that's not your cousin. So it's just not, you know what I mean? Bradley, ask me how I'm doing today. How are you doing today? I am not doing well today. You look like you have something on your mind. I do. I've been very emotional this morning. I'm not mad. I'm not mad, but I'm very upset. And at two o'clock today, I'm going to have a phone call with one of my best friends in the world. And as you know, in July of every year, we have what is called the Hamilton guys trip. It's my 10 best friends from high school. Now folks, the guy that I'm talking about today, shout out to Jason post is like fourth person i would put on like emergency medical contact information right one of my best friends in the world love him as much as i love anybody in this world he has decided that this year he is not coming to our guys lake trip oh no and the reason is his wife's birthday kind of coincides with the days of the trip and it's always kind of been a little bit of a problem but as you know bradley Sometimes people will tell you things that you can kind of tell that's not the real reason. There's a reason behind the reason. Or they're trying to like feel it out and like, hey, I'm thinking about not coming just to see how you react. And if you react hard enough, they'll change their mind maybe. Well, yeah, I just think there's something behind this more than a conflict of interest in schedules. I think that there's something a lot deeper than that going well, let's on. Let's call here. him right now. Put him on. I'm kidding. Well, that would probably break the internet if we did that because I'd be bawling my eyes out and he'd be crying and you'd be like sitting there like, my God, this is the worst idea I've ever had. And you've left work stuff we've been doing, insurance industry stuff early. Absolutely. 
yeah. and paid a lot of money for flights to get Correct. to where to, in the past. Yeah. Got there uh, three years ago from 8% Nation. I got to the lake house at 1 a.m. My luggage did not get there until 10 a.m. the next morning. Mm. And so here's what I've done. I'm going to contact a friend of mine that is a life actuary. And I'm not, I'm going to try my best not to start crying, but we are 50 years old and there's 10 of us and we see each other one time a year, one time a year for most of us. Now there are other times, like maybe there's a football game that we might all see each other at at a tailgate, maybe once a year, but for the most part, out of all 10 of us, we see each other one time a year, right? For two or three days. And I'm going to find, I'm going to get one of my friends that's a life actuary to run the numbers on it. But because we're 50 years old, I will guarantee you there is a pretty good chance. I don't know what the percentage is. I want to get my facts straight that in the next 10 years, there is a possibility that one of us could die. Could be a heart attack, could be a car wreck. But you know, from age 50 to age 60, that's the biggest decline in men in terms of their health, in terms of their physical fitness and all that. And when I start thinking about the fact that we may only see each other 10 times, 10 more times in our life. Kind of puts it all into perspective a little bit. It's tough. Yeah. And we're going to have a real conversation today. It's going to get real, 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 like it ain't never got real, real. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if he so chooses for whatever reason not to come that I think is not the real reason he's saying that's on him. I can't do anything about that. I've said, as I told you in that video, I sent you yesterday with you and Andy Matheson. I've said my piece, Yeah, but we're going to have that conversation today at two o'clock. And if you think a damn claim call is a hard call to have with somebody that's mad, mm-hmm. you don't want to be on this call. Well, it's, it's going like, to get real, real. It's kind of like Jesse Itzler. Those of you that don't know Jesse Itzler, he's the part owner of the Atlanta Hawks and the founder of Marquee Jet talks about. I apologize for being so emotional. No, you're morning. okay. I'm, I'm trying to trying to give you time to get caught up, you know. Yeah. He talks about, I think there's some statistic that like when you turn 18, you have spent 80% of the time you're going to spend with your parents before right. they die. Right. But so every single chance you get in your adult life to see your parents, hang out with your parents, talk to your parents, you should do that. Right. It's kind of one of those things. I get it. You can run the same numbers with your parents. So I see my mom and dad probably three times a year, right? Three times a year. I see my mom and dad, my, my father turned 74 in April and the average male in the United States lives to be 80 years old. That is a factual statistic that cannot be You know, that's not fake news. That's real. So you, I can run the numbers out right now and tell you just about how many more times I'm going to see my dad before he passes away. That's real talk right there. Mm -hmm. Now, with all that being said, guys, I'm going to put this aside and stop being so emotional because I have somebody on this podcast today that I am wildly interested in learning more about. And I have just met him about five minutes before we came on this podcast and he is somebody that's going to be able to help you agents today he has achieved some things in his career in insurance that i am wildly interested in and again i've been talking a lot lately about a resume of success you know i had the ceo of nationwide insurance look me in the face about four years ago and he said scott There's one thing I've learned over 35 years of being in insurance. A captive agent is going to be successful, whether they're captive or independent. They're going to be successful if they're a great agent. And and it doesn't matter what carriers they have. It doesn't matter what company they're with. If they're a great agent and they do all the things right and they're just good at what they do, they're going to be Mm -hmm. successful. This is one of those guys. It wouldn't matter if this son of a gun was with a captive carrier in California or an independent agent, in Birmingham, Alabama, he would be successful regardless because he's just got that it factor and he's got all the tools. You know, I call them a five tool player, Bradley. They're a, they're a Mike Trout guy. They, they've got all of it. They've got it all. He's one of those guys. And I want to give him the introduction that he's always deserved. Ladies and gentlemen, he is born, raised, and lives in Birmingham, Alabama. 
He is married to the beautiful Kara, and they have three beautiful babies. Wilder, six years old. Shout out to you, Wilder. Deegan, four, and Hollis, two. And a fourth one on the way. And by the way, I hope he doesn't mind me telling she's a baby girl and her name's going to be Adela. And I'm excited about that for him. And one of these days, they're going to listen to this podcast and they're going to be super proud of their daddy. He is a graduate of the University of Alabama. Since 2012, he's worked in sales for companies like Centos. He's been in medical device sales with Zimmer Biomet and a risk manager with Petra RMS. Since 2018, he's been the president of the Three Arbor Insurance based out of Birmingham, Alabama, now with a satellite office in Atlanta, Georgia. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my profound honor today to introduce to you first-time guest on the IGP, Mr. David Foster. How are you, David? I'm good, Scott. Thank you so much for that. That's incredible. Thank you so much for being here, brother. Hey, your story is one of the most incredible stories and I only have a snippet of it. And I've waited until this very moment to learn more about it because it is an unbelievable story that Bradley called me a few months ago, not days ago, months ago. And he said, you are not going to believe this guy. You are not <laughs> going to believe this. As I told you before we got on this podcast, I am wildly interested in you. And we've got a lot to talk about with these agents today. But before we do, I want you to go back in time, start with the start, get in the DeLorean with me. There's two big old boys in the DeLorean, but we're going right. to go back in time and tell our audience how you got started in the industry and bring us up to today. Yeah, of course. Thanks, Scott. Well, and also audience, I just want y'all to know I'm not first class, but I am not white trash either. All right. <laughs> Live that way. So, you know, going back in time, I grew up in a small town like you guys were talking about at the beginning of the show called Clay, Alabama. A lot of people where I'm from affectionately call it a little drinking town on the map, right? And I'm a third-generation entrepreneur. My granddad owned a service station right outside of uh, East Birmingham for many years. Had a, a tow truck at that service station like they did back in the day. My dad went and played college football at the University of Wyoming, Yep. For two years from Birmingham, got a scholarship out there. Did he play for Pat Dye? No, uh, okay. almost lined up with that, close, but no. And okay. so he comes back after his sophomore year because he just had to marry my mom. And he comes home, starts a tow truck business, took that one tow truck, grew it in Birmingham in 86 is when he took it over fully. And so I was just kind of raised around entrepreneurship, right? And I loved it. Went down at the University of Alabama. My dad was very big on not getting a business degree because he said I, he could teach me plenty of business right here at home. And so I actually went down to the University of Alabama thinking I was gonna be a football coach and a science teacher, okay? That's the true story. It kind of aligns with who I am. You'll hear me talk about this a lot, Scott. I, I've always just wanted to lead people. That's always been, when, when you've asked me what I wanna do in life, I just wanna lead people. And I thought I was going to be leading people in the form of a coach or a teacher. When I was 17, a senior in high school, my dad got, got diagnosed with cancer. Okay. Kind of rocked my world as a 17 year old. And then two years later, when I was 19, a sophomore in Alabama in the month of October, uh, he passed away from a really rare cancer. Sorry to hear that. As you would imagine that, you know, that did a lot to me yep. and it made me really sit down and wonder, you know, what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? I do have to give my wife, which was my girlfriend then credit. She sat me down and said, I just want you to know you've got a lot of talent and a lot of skill. And I think you need to do something in the business world. I went and sat in a sales 101 class. I audited the class and I was blown away. I had no idea, right? And I said, yep, this is for me. So that's really the beginning of my journey, kind of coming out of this dark spot. I kind of had to rethink what was going to be my future. We had had to sell the family business because of what happened to my dad. That was off the table. And I go learn about sales. Well, I get really involved in the sales program at the University of Alabama. It's a big part of my story. I wouldn't be here today without that program, and I'm very thankful for it. I come out of that program. I get a job in IT sales. And 
in Birmingham trying to sell the cloud is, is really hard back in 2012. People were not there yet here. And so I was having success in the terms of like what they're asking of me, but I was like, man, this is just not for me. Um, I actually had a manager who encouraged me, which is just kind of crazy that she was my direct manager, but she was awesome. And she said, hey, David, I really believe in your future, but you need to go somewhere that's going to put you through some really serious sales training. That's what led me to go into CentOS. Okay. Got you. And so I went to CentOS, got the serious sales training, shout out to CentOS, hardest interview process I've ever been through. Those people know how to, to find winners and how to get people to produce. And I, I loved it. Well, the first you know, of many mistakes that I'll probably make in my professional career came when I got a phone call from medical sales. Like anybody, you think medical sales is the New York Yankees, right? Like that's where we want to be because that's where, you know, I'm going to have five houses, right? And I, I'm just going to be the best thing ever. And all I'm going to do is play golf and this is going to be great. And that wasn't the case for me. I, I took this job. They offered me something that I couldn't turn down, especially at 25. And I was like, oh man, I, so I was not at CentOS long and I, you know, I should have stayed there longer because I could have gotten even better, I feel like. But I went and did this medical sales job and I quickly learned that, man, this just wasn't for me. It was less sales, a lot more service oriented. I was in an OR, a um, little bit political in the sense of how you got doctors to buy things and it just didn't fit me well. I also just didn't like the fact that I, the hours were crazy. I mean, you were up early, late night. And so I... About a year in, realized, okay, this is definitely not my long-term career. I started feeling some shame. By the way, I just want to pause and say I love the emotion earlier. I'm a pretty emotional dude. So the fact that you this is the episode you cried on makes me happy. So I love that personally, Scott. It's not um, the first one. Yeah, okay. God, it's about every other week right now. That's right. Yeah, my, I, you know, in my mind, Scott, I've told this other people of all, I've listened to a decent amount, not all of them, but the one in my mind, you're like this, like big, sexy Kevin Nash wrestler, right? right? Just giving everybody the big boot, right? right and right. You know, yeah, so just flicking cigarettes in people's face. So, <laughs> but yeah, anyway, so man, I was in this, I was miserable. And I, my friend, I've got to give him a shout out. His name's Will Tumlin. Shout out, Will. Shout out, Will. Owns mailbox men out of Nashville, Tennessee. Love entrepreneur. Love builds it. custom mailboxes. Incredible. Y'all would love them. So he mailbox, sees mailbox men had me confused for just a second. I know. I, I wrote that down. Hey. Hell, I might have him come down here and put one at my house. He will, too. By God. So listen, and um, he sees me in the hospital. I am miserable looking. Okay. Yeah. He is like, dude, what is wrong with you? Where's your joy at? All these people in my life, that was a common theme. They were like, where's your joy? I'm like, it ain't here. And, and so I, I was not emotionally mature enough to understand you could kind of live in a place of joy and sadness together. I thought it was either or. Right. And I just was not happy. And so he looked at me and said, you would kill it in commercial real estate or commercial insurance. Right. And I'm like, uh, okay, well, I don't really want to do real estate. And then... I was like, what do you mean commercial insurance? You talking about State Farm? Because that's, I even being from here around here, I had no idea of this whole independent agent world. Right. So and, I tell people when I, when I go to like the Northeast or Ohio or even like Kentucky, it's like all independent agents. Like that's right. who, like it's not like that down here. Like there's independent agents oh. down here, but down here, your independent agents tend to fall into one or two categories either the huge hubs or Willis or the big, I'm not going to say their names because they don't deserve a shout out, but the big agencies <laughs> that are in Alabama that are based out of Alabama or the non-standard bucket shops. Right. Yeah. You don't get, it's usually one of those two. You don't get the good, solid, independent agency that's ensuring all the pillars of the community and that sort of thing. David, uh, what year, what year are y'all at the hospital having this conversation? This was 2016. Okay. So two years before you started yeah. the agency. Well, so yes, yeah, so this is what happens. This was early 16. Will's looking at me. He's like, and he says, Hey man, I just, I just turned down a job offer from an agency that had just started, which was called Petra risk management services. And I don't mind giving them a shout out. Cause I do owe a lot to them. And he said, I'm moving to Nashville. He said, but the owner, he loves me. Me and him are similar. He's like, he's going to love you. I go meet with them 
And after a few interviews, it became clear that it was a good match and they offered me a job. This was actually um, a startup agency with someone who had was an industry vet, but this was them doing a startup. And so I kind of got to see firsthand what it looked like for someone building an agency. They were doing acquisitions heavily, doing some producer lifts. And I didn't know I was signing up to get a crash course there, right? I was just looking for, I wanted to get back to selling. I love sales. I wanted to get back. I want to sell. And then I didn't realize insurance was going to let me do that with something I love doing, which is just serving people, right? And so it's such a beautiful combination for me. So I do it. And man, I, I was so fortunate. I got into insurance and I always tell everybody this. And for any producers listening that are just new in the game and you know, got maybe one, was, got one in my agency right now. Talk to him. Well, I'll talk to him. I mean, you know, and this, and, and I'm sorry if some of this goes against what you've been telling them every day, but you know, at the end of the day, like I get why agencies have all these sales processes in place to, you know, take data and say, look, if you make this many calls, you do this many things, you'll do this. And that is all true. Sales is a numbers game. I get it, whatever. I'm not here to dispute that. But what I mean here to say is every sales rep is a different person and it's a case by case. I think as sales leaders, we need to be more intentional about who we're managing, how we're training them. And something for me that really worked was I made a list of 100 people in Birmingham that I knew I could get a meeting with. And so I got these meetings set are these from past relationships from other businesses you'd been That's involved right. in? Yeah, past relationships, networking. I'm not, I'm just not scared at all to ask somebody for a coffee, for a card, have a combo. Um, and I'm a I'm an Enneagram three if for any of my Enneagram folks out there. And so I, I'm a chameleon. I can talk, you know, if you need me to be a mechanic or a doctor, I can be either, right? And and so I, I make this hundred this hundred people list. And I had a mentor who was brilliant in telling me this. He said, David, you are so good in all these ways. He said, but what I want you to do is I don't want you to go in there too hard. We called it the soft hard sell. And basically he said, you go in there to all hundred, you let them know what you're doing now, but you don't ask for a thing. And so what I did is I went in all hundred of those these are commercial accounts, mostly all commercial. They were, these were either CFOs, CEOs, VPs that maybe are involved, or these were like what we would call a center of influence, like in the community, somebody who definitely could help me, like a mayor or someone. Oh, yeah. And by the way, you're doing this because you started the agency now. Is that right? Or we? No. We- so, well, I was just telling you how. Th- well, no, this. I'm at Petra. I'm just okay. 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 Yeah. Petra. So I'm. Gotcha. I'm just a new producer. I couldn't even spell insurance. Right. You know, they gave me a book and said, "Go get a license," and here I am. Right. Yeah, we've all. And we've all been there. You've all been there, and then I'm probably not your ideal producer. You know, I won't to run full speed and I actually want someone to trip me and I want to break my nose. Like I want that. Right. That's my own issues to deal with. But, and so luckily where I was at, they were gracious to give me that. And I went out, did those hundred meetings. Well, what happened was in retrospect, I've been able to see this now I created this echo chamber. So next thing you know, all these people I had just met with when they heard the word insurance, they just started calling me. Hey, David, you do this kind, you do this kind, you do this kind. And of course, early on, that, just that's like, just you planting a seed. You're oh, going yeah. meeting with them, having a conversation. Here's my card. If I can ever help you, let me know. Yeah. And, I, and I'll take a step further. And this is the stuff that a lot of agency owners are going to be like, you know, slapping me over. But like, I did not care. And I still don't for new producers. I don't care who calls what I want you getting reps. Right. The best experience I had my first six months at Petra was my boy named Omar. Shout out to Omar. Started a nightclub in North Birmingham. I got a referral referral from somebody that was like, hey, can you help out Omar? I'm like, heck, yeah, help out Omar. Well, next, you know, we bind some policies. Omar's post on his Facebook that they're having free drink Tuesdays. And, you know, the underwriters, for some reason, are watching this. That never really happens. But this case it did and they kept threatening to cancel then he didn't pay his premiums i thought i was gonna have to come out of pocket you know i'm sweating well guess what i don't ever have never written a nightclub again right (laughs) Right. i'm really i'm thankful for the experience and so i went out doesn't do much for the liquor liability that's uh, right 
Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he kept liability is hard enough in Alabama. You know, I mean, uh, hey, hey, Bradley, a nightclub in North Birmingham, there ain't many admitted carriers jumping on that. No, no, this, this was non-admitted all the way, you know, and yep. I mean, that liquid, I mean, I, and it was Hell, fun. I probably know where that place is at. I, if you just <laughs> gave me a little bit more information, I probably know where it's at. <laughs> yeah, man, I love it. Yeah, it was, man, it was just great. So I learned that that model, which me and my mentor came up with, uh, right. it was just, that was what we did. And that led to just an incredible first year as a producer for me. I was selling things. I still didn't understand a lot of the coverages, but I was just getting really good opportunities. And it became clear to me about a year in. So I was in 17. I said, oh man, like this is, this is for me. Okay. I, I just, this is for me. But at this point I had no idea that I was going to be starting on agency. And then I'll, so I'll kind of fast forward. I Right in that time, I started writing a certain niche of insurance, okay, that is in the political world. So what that means is, is I'm writing insurance for campaigns. So whether that is a governor, a senator, a congressman, state level, federal level, whatever, right? And so I'm writing- And let me ask a question that I know everybody's thinking, how the heck did you even get into that? How do you even start? Yeah, how'd you stumble into that? You talk about niche, that's pretty damn niche to stumble into. Yeah, it's niche. Well, there's, I wish it was like this sexy story for y'all, but it's the same story that everyone always tells. And it's all about who you know. And, and so I knew someone who was doing some services for these type of entities. They were having some pain for getting insurance. Right. Uh, just a, in a specifically a DNO policy. That's okay? how it usually happens. You kind of yep. trip and fall into it. And, and he was on that list of a hundred. Yeah. Exactly. He, and he was on that list of a hundred. Right. And and so he's like, Hey, I, we're doing some accounting things for these groups. We're having trouble. Can you help? I come in. I'm gonna be honest. I got a little lucky on the first one, but what that did was cause some momentum. A few more came. They appreciated the attention to detail and service. Next thing you know, boom. Well, how, how Washington DC works is, is these, man, these circles, they're tight. And if you get in, Everybody knows each other. Right. And so word started spreading for me. Small and, circle. And words were going out. Hey, there's this guy that can help you. And next thing you know, business started coming to me. And so that's what ultimately led to Three Arbor starting was here I was at the end of 2017. And I'm sitting there going, oh, I've got a, a niche that like no one. And I mean, no one is going out. There are agencies. not anybody in Alabama. Well, especially not, but even in Washington, D.C., there's one agency up there that has some content on their website Right. that they write these type of entities on their website. But I'm taking accounts from this agency who is blocks away from my Capital. now clients, and they're not even going and seeing them. Like, right. I mean, it's, it was crazy to me. And so here I am going, well, I'll go all in. And so that is what birthed Three Arbor at the end of that year, I, and then, and I want to be very clear because everybody's always, you know, anytime I hear anybody a, a story about starting a business, personally, the first thing that comes to my mind is, is who's your daddy? Okay. Yeah. That's the first thing I always think of is like, how big is your trust fund? Like, you know, good for you. I want to be very clear about it. I ain't got a trust fund. All right. Um, and as, as you heard from my story, I've been through some trials, right? And yep. so I'm not coming from a whole lot. I had a good middle-class American life growing up, went through some trials with my family that put us in the lower class for a time. And I'm sitting here grinding, married, at this time, two kids. And I just had one of those moments. Uh, one mentor of mine always says, in life, you get usually people get one like legitimate chance to do something like this. And most people say no because of the risk. And it was just my chance. I had somebody approach me looking to diversify and they just had some money. And they said, would you be interested in starting your own agency and you're know, running it and owning it? And I'm just wanting to park money places. And I said, yeah, yeah. I mean, of course I'm interested, but like, I don't even, yeah, I live, you know, just to get personal for a second, like, cause I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this, but like, I mean, insecurity runs through me all the time. Like I, growing up in a small town, going all the way back from when I was seven, eight, nine years old, like when I looked across town at where all the rich people live, like, you know, it was like, oh man, good for them. They've got an easy life. You would play a sport against them. 
and you'd want to beat them just because you thought they were rich. Right. Right. And I've always had a chip on my shoulder, but I've always had insecurity around it. And I honestly thought my ceiling, which is still a good ceiling, but I was like, yeah, maybe I'll be a VP of sales one day. Right. Maybe I can be somebody's bulldog. Right. Selling, like selling yourself short. Yeah. Well, I, and that's where I was. And, yeah. you know, I, and, and, you know, I'm very thankful that this opportunity came to me. And like I said, I'm very, that's why I'm being honest about it. Cause people always want to know, man, it's one of those that someone came to me and I, what I can tell you is, is you can call it luck. You can call it the fact that I networked my tail off. Right. And also did a good job. Maybe it's a combination of both, whatever. Bottom line is, is somebody approached me looking to do business and I was willing to take a risk. Right. And so after uh, a few months of just kind of prayer meditation through it, I was like, you know, I'm going to do this because my worst case scenario, this blows up. And I know a bunch of agencies that need producers always. And I, my risk was low. I didn't, I was getting all sweat equity in it because I was going to be doing all the day to day. Like it was just good. And so April 9th, 2018, three Arbor insurance was born and I, I took the plunge and what a plunge it was in the time I had no idea, but looking back now, it's kind of hilarious um, have y'all ever seen that picture of, of, of Jeff Bezos? You know, the one in that little cube at his desk. Okay. I have a picture somewhere. I just can't find it. It's bothering me. But like I was in the bottom of this building, guys, there was three levels. It was an old house that had been converted into an office. It was three levels. It was the most redneck we work you've ever seen. Okay. Each level had deer heads on because the owner's a massive hunter. Right. And he develops Walmarts. And then you've got like, uh, residential appraisers. Uh, I mean, all these. And then the bottom level was this like cube farm. And there was five companies down there, uh, three nonprofits and two for-profits. And we all just were in this thing together. Okay. And so here I am calling on massive political entities and campaigns in Washington, D.C. and across the country from a cube in the bottom of a redneck we work in Birmingham, Alabama, with people asking for money to, to filter clean water next to my right, and then people trying to raise money for better education on my left. Right. And here I am trying to sell insurance. It was the, it, in the moment, I didn't see any of that. All I saw was, I love this so much. And yeah. I want this to be successful so bad, like I need to breathe. And I, so I kind of got tunnel vision. I didn't let all that bother me. But looking back on it, it's really funny because what Three Arbor was for the first half of its life was me and Katie Harlan. Shout out to Katie Harlan. She's you know, best. what I want to say about Katie for a second is this. Number one, she should be president. Number two, we wouldn't be here without her today. But But number three, if you are wanting to start an agency or starting a business and you're listening to this right now, please write this down. You don't need your first hire or even I could argue first multiple hires, but that first hire, that person is going to be in the foxhole with you. They don't have to be a industry expert. They don't have to be a thought leader. They don't have to have every answer. Let me tell you what they got to have. Grit. That's all you need early because I'm telling you, me and Katie Harlan, we were going to take over the world, okay? And we, I mean, dude, we were in it together. She was celebrating just as much as me when we would win a deal. She would cry with me when we lost the deal, right? She was in it with me. She was getting all my licensing, set up my AMS. She did it all. She did it all. And I, I just can't thank her enough, but and she's the reason why we're here today. Truly. Is she still with you today? Oh, heck yeah, dude. Yeah. Well, she's like, she would tell you on this call, we're a package deal. I mean, period. Right. Uh, we're going to, we're going to crush a lot of the same dirt together. That's right. I mean, we just did. I mean, man, we were in it together. Here we were a two person agency in Birmingham, Alabama, writing insurance policies, hundred, 200, $500,000 in premium. Right. I mean, we're, we were taking, I'm not making this up and like, not to like this. I mean, just being honest, like we're taking accounts from Marsh, Lockton, Willis, like we're taking accounts. Now, some of those were easy to take because they were like below the minimums and they were sitting on an account manager's desk, not a producer. Maybe that's the case. Right. Bottom line is, is I learned within the first 12 months, oh man, those brands don't mean anything to me anymore. Right. See, because the, my biggest fear, how I'm wired, I was so insecure. I was like, well, no one's going to take me serious. But here's the thing. I started writing all this business outside of Birmingham. Then I learned 
who cares what Birmingham people think about me? Because right. all these other people actually respect the fact that we're doing a good job. Mm-hmm. Right. By the way, guys, I need everybody to pull their car over to the side of the road right now. I do not want to be responsible for anybody wrecking their vehicle. Okay. That's number one. That is a liability disclaimer. Do not wreck your car when he says what he's about to say. This man started his agency in 2018. David, if you will, will you tell them where you stand today? Revenue, annual revenue for your agency in 2022. Yeah. Trying 12 months is 2.3 million in revenue In revenue revenue. Yeah. Please do not wreck your car right now. If you need medical attention, <laughs> dial 911 on your phone to get the ambulance to your location right now. Thank yeah. Guys, the that right scary. there is unfreaking believable. Go ahead, Bradley. Well, it's it's interesting what technology and this world we we're living in is so much smaller. You know, every town has the click. Right. Right. In Mobile, it's old Mobile. Uh, hey, Mobile is the home of the click. I'm doing air quotes. And there's one or two agencies at a buddy that started a business with a partner that was part of Old Mobile. And I asked him, I said, who'd you do your insurance with? And he's like, what's the name of that agency that you have to buy your insurance for? Like every town has that to some degree. Right. But what, yeah. what David has accomplished and what, it, it, what this world that we live in now, it allows you to bypass all that because you're writing insurance for people in Washington, DC. They don't give a crap what family you come from. If you have the right last name or the wrong last name, whatever. And something I want to point out too, you know, you were talking about going against the Willis's and those folks, you know, you almost like, so I had a buddy one time who reached out to me, who was working on a, a good size deal. And it was in a niche that, that we work in too. And he was going against this, this massive national agency or no, excuse me, one a national agency. It was a massive local agency. And he was like, how would you approach this? And I said, well, they're going to use your size. They're, they're going to try to use your size to your disadvantage. And I said, what you need to do is you need to take that and you need to use it to your advantage. Right. And how I would yeah. do it is I would, and it, this was about a two or $300,000 account premium wise. And I said, you need to tell them, Hey, you're going to be our largest account. If you want to lie. So you don't seem really small, maybe say second largest account or one of our largest accounts to them. You're not even going to be in the top 500, right? You're going to get all of my attention. You're just going to be a number on a page there. And I'm not taking credit for him doing this because he, when I said that he was like, yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking, but they got the account. And so in these situations, like you're in, you were in David, you could kind of use that to your advantage a little bit of like, Hey, you know, rich people like to hear from you. You're going to have all my attention. Yep. I'm not going to ignore you when you call, you know what I mean? Uh, they, they, they customers run all over you and take their calls at 10 o'clock at night, but still, you know, Hey David, I've got a question for you that hey. I'm wildly interested in based on your big niche. That's really helped you get to the point where you are today. Are you a political guy, meaning, you know, you're getting up in the mornings and you're watching Fox and you're watching MSNBC, or are you more agnostic? Like, I don't, I don't care what political campaign you're with. We, we want to ensure you. Like, how does that work? Are, are you that? Which way? Which one of those are you? Sure. Yeah. And I'm going to answer that. I just I want to put a thing here that we need to come back to so that the listeners sure. think it's important to, for transparency. I will listeners break down that revenue for you because right. I, I think it's important for everybody to understand how we got there and for expectations. And like, once again, I'm as open, and honest as I can be. So just know I want to come back to that. But yeah, it's a great question. I get this a lot. So primarily we write insurance on the Republican side. And the Correct. reason for that was because our leads, like our centers of influence or raving fans right. are on that side. Right. In D.C., when you're a vendor, typically you're a vendor for one side or the other. They don't cross the aisle because of some firewall stuff. So the people send us leads. That's where. However, we have wrote a good chunk of independent business, which I'm completely OK with. OK. And then we have wrote some Democrat accounts. A great one was we wrote uh, Andrew Yang running for mayor of New York. Right. Right. He's not, I mean, he could, I don't know, libertarian, you know, independent. Right. He's a he's trying to create his own party, like, but he had to run under that Democrat. So we did write that. That came from an attorney who kind of writes the middle. And so when someone comes to us 
and let's just say they're Democrat, we don't say no immediately. Sure. What we do is we say, is this going to be a conflict for any of our clients? Right. Right. Yeah, you don't right. want to write somebody that's running against your client or in, even endorse somebody that's running against yeah, your client. We, it, we it's kind of like an attorney that has to, con- has to check to see if they conflict out. Correct. Because you don't want to have the other party on the other side you know, as one of your clients. And now that becomes kind of a con. I completely understand that. that, I'm, that always, I'm always sense. uncomfortable answering that question too. When attorneys ask that, cause I'm like, what are they going to do if, if the, the right. person that I'm going against is their client, you know? Well, they, they check. That's what they're yeah. supposed to do. I'm saying, what happens after office? that? Do they give their client the heads up? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, I can't they- remember. I, I used to know the answer to that. If they have, if they are, uh, and, and maybe David knows whether they are obligated to go back to the person that is on that side and say, Hey, by the way, I just wanted to let you know, X, Y, Z called us. Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, really all comes down to where you're at uh, at the table with these type of entities and what your contracts are. See for us, we're one of the last vendors to get the call. Right. Right. We're never at the, the strategy table with the campaign. I have never met a candidate. Okay. Never have talked to a candidate or emailed right. a candidate. Right. I've always dealt with attorneys and compliance people. Sure. And so because of that, it just is what it is, right? Right. For us. And so it actually helps us more that you know, we're not as concerned about conflicts. I do that out of more of like just personal, like, hey, I want to make sure that I'm not like doing something wrong. Cause I'm sure they probably like that too, though. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's right. And I, I'm listen, I'm sure we wrote accounts out there that have like said something bad about another account of ours. At the end of the day. Sure. Like I can't control all that. And like, you know, these days I don't even know who is Republican Democrat. Right. And so and Scott, to kind of answer your the first part of the question around just like, am I political? What I what I'll tell you is this, I, I used to not be. Um, I, I would have described myself as a libertarian big time. I uh, but not probably not an educated one, more right. so just like, hey, you do you, I'm gonna do me. Right. I'm tired of talking about it. You know, let's have fun, make money, right? And what happened for me was, is I, I'm still semi, I would say that way federally, right? But I have taken a much more of a passion into my state, in, into, the, into the state of Alabama and the, and the politics here, because I, I do think that maybe I can help make a difference. You know, out the state of Alabama, we get a lot of jokes on us, but rightfully so. Our education scores are way down. Uh, we've got some awful poverty issues and systems that I'm just not happy with, uh, you know, and so I love to see eight good, of our last 10 governors have been to prison. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, it's just, so I do like the idea of being involved in the fight at a state level and a local level and what can I do? But, um, but even with saying that I'm not super, super involved. There's people that do so much more than me, but I do do some activity there. Mm-hmm. But on the federal level, I still am pretty sour. I would say uh, I fall into these categories these days of like, I, when I talk about, you know, wanting limited government, you know, actually what I mean by that is, is like, yeah, like, hey, just stop telling us what to do. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I, and honestly, I wish our government would stop fighting about one or two or three main things all the time and spending so much time and money on these one or two or three things and taking that money and spreading on a lot of things that we all agree on. We all want our kids to get better educations. We all want our roads not to have potholes in them. Like there are so many things that we all can agree on, but at the end of the day in our country, and I'll get off my tangent, we as a people are not going to be able to come together and unify as best as we should be until our leaders unify and our leaders are having a hard time unifying because DC has become so polarized and right. we've even seen that, and I'm going to segue that into we've even seen that in the underwriting and in the carrier space with these accounts. So we're now seeing that when we bring a certain account to an underwriter, and if it has certain terminology on their website, denied. But if it's if it's a little bit kind more of like than your that, nightclub, right? Exactly. I mean, I'm back there. These people at least pay. But like, you know, it's like oh, it's really really hard. Um, we just took. A, um, a bit we were working through it, but a big blow to this whole niche was for years we've had one carrier that writes all the media liability, um, defamation, libel, slander, for because they have these companies, these organizations have massive media budgets, and that carrier just pulled out. Well, 
there's only a few other ones that will even do it and it's awful coverage. And so now we're sitting here going, well, how do we do that? Can we sneak a cyber policy in that has media coverage? Can we sneak a GL policy in that has- I like, try to go program route and create a program. Well, if if this pod makes it to this guy in London who's been emailing me, he, he will be clicking like a hundred times because I need to respond <laughs> to him. But yeah, there needs to be a program. Hey, he needs to go to London with us. He needs to go on our trip yeah. to, to Scott, Lloyd's. Scott and I are going to London. We're going to Lloyd's. Well, well, I would love to. I would love to go, but see, London has. If they let us in. Well, we go to London. Like we're just going to show up. Risk. They don't love American politics either. I mean, yeah. everybody's so scared of the polarization. So we're right. seeing that affect um, my niche. Even in some ways, it's affected us because premiums are going up. So I mean, then they, we're benefiting from some of it, sure. But it's also making the underwriting very challenging when I look at 2022 compared to 2016 when I wrote my first political account. One of the things too, I, I want to touch on that you touched on them again, then I'll let you break the revenue down. Right. Yeah. You, you mentioned getting reps. Like to me, there is no better way to learn something than reps and doing it. And, you know, I've got a, a new producer here that um, is calling on a specific niche that typically has a lot of premium, but it, the, the deals are few and far in between. And he kept striking out, striking out, striking out. And I kept telling him, keep calling, keep talking to people. Here's your script. Here's the thing. Eventually you're going to get one of these deals and it's going to make up for all the times you struck out and you're going to get a little better and you're going to get a little better and you're going to get a little better. And then you're going to get like a 40% rate agreeing to talk to you instead of a 5%. And just yesterday he had an account on the hook. That's got 10 million and not the 10 million in revenue for the company, which is still going to be a, a large account that makes up for everything else. So I think it's good to hear you say that because that's what I've been reiterating here, but but getting reps and stuff is like yep. the best thing. Anybody listening to this to struggling or new in the industry, just get reps in. Like that's the best thing you can do. Yeah. Talk to people, put yourself in situations. And what happens is, is eventually you start hearing the same questions over and over and over. You know, the first time you deal with that trucking account or that contractor account, you're going to hear questions that you're not familiar with. But then that makes you more confident when you hear them again, be willing to strike out. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, like riding a, it's like riding a bicycle. First time you get on it, you're going to fall off. You may have yep. to have trading wheels. But about three weeks yeah. later, you're doing, you know, ramp jumps and riding through the neighborhood. That's that's right. I mean, so shout out to my guy in Atlanta, Cole Chapman. I met Cole because my cousin and him are best friends. So we'll do a shout out to Braxton Parvin. What's uh, up, Braxton? I gave Braxton a Lululemon gift card because he loves joggers for the go. for the recruiter fee. But yeah, you know, I met Cole and he was at Marsh and big Marsh, right? And yeah. and he was he was like not thrilled about having to wait for so long to become a producer. It was a match made in heaven. Well, he comes in in November and from day one, this guy was ready to grind, right? Yeah. I mean, just ready to grind. And he so. I want to, some of the things I'm about to say are all off the assumption that your producer or you, if you are the producer listening, are you're doing the right things and you're putting, you know, that effort in, but it's like, there is a real, I wish I could, I need to get the data behind this, but there's real something behind the six month mark with producers. Okay. And I kept telling Cole this dude, six months, just trust me, please. Just trust me. Keep doing these things. Keep doing these things. Well, what, sure what, what was he doing during that six months? I want to help these agents today. Yeah, yeah. So he was like, during those first six months, you know, he was personally struggling because you know he's got LinkedIn, he's got friends, he's got. He's like, what am I supposed to do? Fifty dials a day, and see my management style. Like I mentioned earlier, I don't get into that with him. I want to learn him more so we can figure out what how he works better, and then develop the plan for him. So there's a bit of a period of like. He's wondering, am I doing enough? And I'm telling him he's doing great, but he's like, well, is he just feeding me bullshit? I don't know. Like, right. And so we're trying to work through that. You got to have and a little so, bit of that blind commitment by the producer. It's like, I've just yeah. got to trust what this dude's telling me or this girl's telling me. Yeah. It's kind of like that. You're in the fairway and you can't see the grain, right? Just, just trust that I'm telling you that that flag is below that tree there. Right. That's what I'm, you know, like I'm telling you it's there. Just trust me. Right. Oh, I'm, I got them all day. But, you know, I, I and so for me, it was like, hey, Cole, keep doing these things. Keep showing people's office. Keep calling. Keep networking. I gave him my whole you know, networking plan. He did it. Well, then about month three. Right. Some things started drop, dropping. So, OK, I'm starting to see it. 
Another thing I've done, and if managers, if you're not doing this, shame on you. Give your new producers accounts. Feed them. If you're the your people are calling you, get over yourself. Give them an account. Let them see the ball go in the hole. Like mm-hmm. I can't stress it enough. Like, like get over yourself. Like it just is. It benefits you when you do that because yeah, you made forty percent less or sixty percent less, but you don't have to deal with it. So you're able to maximize your time. Yeah. And when y'all are saying give them accounts, you're saying somebody's called in yep. and they need insurance. And yep. instead of you writing it, you give that to the new guy and say, Hey, this came from a buddy of mine. He's a good guy. Looks Take sounds like he's got a got a good business going on over there. Won't you write this one? Yes. Well, well I, I tell I, people all the time, like, like we do this. I've done this for a while. Agents that come here are probably going to write 20% more than they would somewhere else because right. all the accounts that come to me are divvied out to the producers. Correct. I just Same pulled thing. my, I just pulled my CRM up, David. I've written $548 in premium this year. Crushing it, Everything Bradley. Crushing good, it. Good, for you. good for you. I was pissed off when I saw it. It wasn't zero. I don't even remember exactly. what I wrote. It was probably something for a buddy that needed something on a Saturday. Yeah. I commend you, Bradley, because that's leaders. You're not, I mean, you should be, if, if you're a sales leader, you should, and you're trying to produce, in my opinion, you, you should be just feeding your guys and then trying to be a sales leader. If you're an agency owner, get over yourself and focus on the things that need your attention, not the small stuff, right? The one account that I wrote, <laughs> I just looked at it. I have Blair, no idea. Polaris, Polaris right, Razor on Saturday I have, afternoon. I have no idea who it is. So if I scroll down, it's somebody that went online to our cover wallet link oh, so and bought insurance themselves. And it, yeah. that's why it's linked to me. We had, anyway. we had one of these this week. Nobody could figure out who wrote it because they wrote it directly through Traveler. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's so good. Well, I, and I'll just end on Cole's part, like to give the producers out there, like, a, like he hit that six month mark. He just landed an awesome, awesome account, uh, 150K in premium. Uh, a roofer he went in he did a full risk analysis of what coverages they had employee handbook some agreements he took them through he took it a step further he did a video narrative he went in with a professional videographer videoed interviews with key employees went to job sites made an incredible presentation took it in front the owner signed bors and said this is what we're talking about this guy has been producing not even for seven months Right. And he goes in and his first thing he says to me, the first thing he says to me, he says, that was easier than I expected. Yeah. And I said, exactly. And it, and it was 150 K premium. Right. Right. And so it's, it's just, I can't stress enough, like get your reps in, figure it out, do the right things. And then something starts clicking and now I'm seeing it, man. He is just off to the races. So, 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 David, I want to go make sure we go back to what you wanted to touch on earlier about revenue. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I think it, this is important. And I hope the people that heard the 2.3 million number are still here because, like, I, I just, once again, you listen to these pods, you read these things, and you just are trying to figure it all out because there's just so much BS out there these days. Okay. And I get that. And so that's why I'm trying to be as transparent as possible. So in the beginning of 21, what was a huge catalyst to some growth for us was we were, we were looking to do an acquisition bad from the get-go. We could not find anything. Okay, We had cash deployed. We couldn't find it. We had a couple LOIs actually fall through, one of which I'll leave his name off of it. But this guy is actually the first person who ever told me to uh, meet Bradley. And I should know Bradley. This is... Right. It was uh, two years later until I actually talked to him. But I had an LOI sign. It fell through. And so we kind of had a pivot. And I met with every large agency in Birmingham. And we've got some large ones here. I went and met with someone on their C team. And I said, if you were me, what would you do? Right? And it was a resounding. They said, hey, stop trying to do acquisitions right now because valuations. Try to go do, try to find producers. Okay. And so we kind of shifted that. Once again, and you're, this is a theme in my story, and I want everybody to know I'm very clear. I had somebody come to me and say they want to diversify and, and give me money to start a business. I found this really cool niche. Like, I get it. Like, you're, you're sitting there going, who are you? 
Right. I can also talk to you for hours of really shitty things that have happened to me and will make you realize I'm a normal person just like you that has all the same struggles. But what happened at the end of 20, uh, at the end of 20, uh, I reached out to a friend and who was at an agency and there were some things happening at that agency. That agency was looking to sell. He was looking for an opportunity to keep further his career. He had opportunities with really large national brokers, but he wanted to be on a leadership team, but he didn't want to own it. He had no interest in that. He just wanted to be on a leadership team, get some ownership um, and, and go produce. That's what he wanted to do. He loves his clients. Well, we came to an agreement and with him. And then we came to agreement with his agency to buy his book. Him and that agency owner had had a long past. And this was a very unique situation because this always doesn't happen this way. And so at the beginning of 21, we purchased that book of business in January of 21 as well. And so that obviously that contributed right to a lot of our growth. And so that's where I'm saying like, Hey, in four years, like, we didn't get to that number strictly off of dialing the phones, right? right. Organic. It, it, it's not all organic. Yeah. So just, I want to be clear. Um, we also have a handful of just really large accounts. Yeah. And so like, I could come on this podcast in six months and be like, Hey guys, we're at two. Like uh, it just is what it is. So we're kind of different. This is why our like employee slash uh, revenue number, right? A revenue per well, employee number. And it's why you shouldn't compare yourself. Like comparison right. is yes. awful. Yeah, right. amen, Bradley. Amen. That's why That's why I'm taking the time to sell this because when I first started 3 Arbor, I got caught up in that in those first few months and I had to quickly get out. And if it wasn't for some success I had outside of Birmingham, I don't know if I'd have, that's what got me there. And so I want everybody to hear like, you know, maybe you don't need to have a $2.3 million agency. Maybe you do. Maybe you need to have a 10. Like maybe you're going to go about this way or that way. I'm not here today to tell you how awesome we are, because let me just tell you something. We suck in so many ways. Okay. We've got so much room to be better and we're grinding and we're learning. If you spend a day with me, you would realize like, Oh man, like there is a lot going on at three Arbor right now. We just, just uh, went live with agency zoom shout out to cat and agency zoom we've done all this without a crm right so like you know that's kind of dangerous weird. dude yeah, yeah well right if i could figure it out um you know and, that, and that's that's my boy mick's job so <laughs> he's gonna hopefully teach me but you know and so i think at the end of the day I think something i would like to speak to though because you got because in that revenue we've got the niche of the political I do tons of tech business myself, but then the other side, Jeremy Long, who is the book we bought and who's a partner at Three Arbor and couldn't be a better friend, partner, balance to me. I need him, had no idea how bad I needed him and I couldn't be more grateful for him being in my ear and letting me lead the agency, but also being there to remind me of things. Uh, I just could not be more grateful, but he calls on power line contractors. He's got these massive power line contractors across the country, right? That have huge premiums. He's and got he's, got he's got the relationships and now he's become the guy. The guy. He's had a few big relationships. They send subs. They send leads. I mean, we've got them in California, Maine, Florida, Ohio, right. Pennsylvania, Kentucky, Alabama. I mean, they're everywhere. And so that's – I say all that to say is, it's like, hey, guys, I just didn't pick up the phone and call every politician and get to 2.3 million rev, right? We have built that book. We've built the tech book. We did the acquisition, the Powerline book exploded. We do some healthcare. I would say those four are the main things we do. We also have some other business, right? We're trying not to be too general, but we try to focus in our lanes. And then we've been hiring producers, right? And so we're trying to grow. And so for me, I spend most of my time trying to get these other guys' books up so it de-risk Three Arbor from Jeremy and myself. That's what we're trying to do and trying to see. And, and, and we're on that path. So that, that's a big thing. And I think this probably is a good uh, time to transition to this, but like something that I really want to make sure that agency owners that are listening or people that might want to be one, what's something you can do to maybe take your agency to the next level? And I'll just tell you this and, and you might roll your eyes, but LinkedIn is incredible. And let me tell you why it's incredible. Okay. And I'm not talking it's incredible because, you know, I can get 20 people to say they liked what I post. It's incredible of how much free content is out there that has actually benefited me and how many people are willing to help each other because we are no longer just trying 
to battle the agency down the street that were in this arena within our city limits that were like, they're the enemy. Now I can DM somebody anywhere in this country and I'm not making this up. I can't think of anyone at the moment that in the insurance space that I've reached out to for advice or help that hasn't returned my DM or call. I'm not making that up. And I've talked, like, and all, if any of them are listening, they know I've called. I'm, like, I'm not ashamed of calling, asking. It is mind-blowing how much I've learned from people in the last 12 months by just being Willing to ask questions. Ability, right? Like, I don't know everything. I don't know. I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm not good at. And I'm trying to get better. And the thing is, too, is so many people on LinkedIn go immediately to spam. They go immediately to automate, automating everything. And it's like the opposite of, of, of human that if you can go on LinkedIn and you can be a human and show that you're real and show that you're authentic, you stand out above everybody else. You sending those one-to-one DMs yourself rather than sending out 10,000 DMs. You know, you send out 10,000 DMs, you get two people respond. You send out 100 DMs yourself. It takes you two hours to do. You get 85 people to respond. Right. That's what I'm saying. I mean, and, and it goes in. Yeah, and it goes into like all the theories around are you like interacting with their content, liking, are you, are you being genuine? All that goes into it. And I just, yeah. it's just blown me away that this network, and I don't even have a, I have a free account that like I have the people I have met, like I am on this podcast right now because of LinkedIn. Like I, we make the joke here. So many things we're doing at three arbors because Bradley posted about it. Right. And I was like, Ooh, let me, you know, I'm on, what's that? And I click it and I'm like, that's cool. Yeah. Right. And so it blows my mind that more people aren't willing to drop their pride and ask for help. The bigger this agency gets and the more quote unquote successful people I meet, the more I realize is there's actually not that big of a gap in a lot of people, right? Like, I, like there's not, it's not like, oh my gosh, like, sure. You've got your, you know, your Bill Gates, your Bezos, your Zuck, whatever. Right. But like people listening, you're like, you're so smart and, and you can work hard and you can do whatever you want to do. Just drop your pride, go ask for some help, learn, and then take some risk. We're at three Arbor. We're so willing to try something. We're so willing. Like we'll try if it works great. If not, we pivot. Like, and I just, I can't stress that enough because it, it's unfortunate how many independent agencies aren't taking that approach. Well, and it's one of those things too, I want to touch on that you mentioned, you know, we're not sitting there cold calling 50 politicians, which is what the majority of people would do yeah. if they tried to start in that niche. And it's why there is a place for this Grant Cardone style sales advice. Hey, here's a clothesline that can help you close business. But it's why I don't really like all the content that's out there now of like, Hey, here's a sales tactic is because so many people take that as like, Oh, I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to shove it down everybody's throat. And I'm going to be the guy that goes into the bar and hits on every single girl. And eventually one's going to say yes, but yet right. you've pissed 40 people off in the process, yeah. like build relationships. Like yep. that's how, that's how you do this. You build relationships. That's how you're really successful. Yeah. And it's because so many people want short-term success, but they don't want to work to the long-term success. Amen. That they want to use these corny sales tactics that, yeah, you'll sell something every now and then because people are buying stuff from you just to shut you up. Versus if you were to go in with absolutely zero sales skills, but build as many relationships as you possibly can, you're going to be more successful in the long run. And guess what? The sales stuff's going to come. Yep. Because as you have these conversations with people, back to our original point, as you have these conversations with people, there you're going to hear the same questions over and over, and you're going to improve your skills, sales skills from that point. Yep. Successful people do business with people that have a relationship with them and solve their problem. Yep. Not the person that pulls some corny sales line out of their butt that they learned from Andy Frisella or yeah. you know, whoever. Hmm who hasn't sold anything in 15 years. That's so good. Bradley, we got to shut this podcast down. But before we do. I was also filming that with my phone so I could turn into a piece of content. <laughs> there you go. Before we do, I got two things to say. The first thing I want to say is, is David, you are a bright, shining star in this industry. You know, anything that Bradley and I can do to help you, anything that we can do to, I uh, think you probably need to, 
we probably need to get you out and about a little bit more in the industry. I do. I, I would like to. You need to. Be, you need to be in the club. This okay? will be the first of many interviews. On <laughs> right. I hope, I man, I'd love you. to get to know people. <laughs> well, there's a lot of people we need to introduce you to. There's a lot of people you need to get to know. You're a connector anyway, so that won't be hard for you. That's right. And I may have some interesting things for you. So uh, when we get off this podcast, I'll need to get your cell phone number. But sure. I want to ask both of you a question, and I've got a favor to ask of Bradley. Bradley. So we talked about Omar and the nightclub in yeah. North Birmingham. Now, here's what I need Bradley to do for me. Bradley, I want you to schedule the guy or girl in Birmingham, Alabama, that has Wesley's booby trap oh insured in Dora, Alabama. Folks, let me tell you about <laughs> Wesley's booby trap in Dora, Alabama. About every – and, guys, if I'm lying, please stop and tell our entire listening audience that I'm lying right now. But about every two years, either a faith-based organization or a person will burn down Wesley's booby trap. <laughs> How Wesley's booby trap could get insurance would be the seventh wonder of the world. We need to figure out. We but need we to need to figure out. out who that person is. If they have Wesley's booby trap insured, we would, need them on the podcast. I would like to point out in front of God and country that I've never heard of this place before today. Secondly, I don't believe if you. I had to bet. I guarantee that, you David's heard of it. Yeah, but, it is. A, hey, that's why I'm laughing. It's a real place, and I can't believe you just said it. Based on some of the things <laughs> that I'm hearing, I bet they probably self-insure. I'm be my guess. Just about that place is burned down. Hand to God on my son's life, probably four or five times in the last ten or fifteen years, it's burned down to the ground, and they just build it back. It is a literal cinder block building. Wesley's booby trap, Dora, Alabama. Google search it. Hey, and Scott, if the if the agent does come forward, who writes it? If we could get confirmation, if the lady that only has one leg still works there, <laughs> I've heard be, that too. I've heard that. Be, too. I just would love to know if she's still, um, you know, kicking. Yeah, yeah. Just went sideways real fast. I know. Hey guys. <laughs> hey David, I really appreciate you being on the show today. I look forward to us getting back yeah. on here together here in the next year or so, and. We need to take the conversation from where we stopped and keep going. Just we've only got an hour, hour and a half to do sure. this. So I appreciate you so much. And as I end every podcast, rewards come from action, not discussion. Get your ass out from behind that desk today and do what David Foster has done. Build relationships. The more of those you build, you're going to be shocked at what happens. And uh, he's done a fantastic job of that. I'm so proud of you and what you've accomplished. Thank you, Scott. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, go make money for your family, guys. Figure out what your why is. I don't care what it is. does not matter. Go make money for your wife, for your kid's college fund, for your husband and for your parents that are struggling out there today. Go make money for them. Write good business for the companies that you represent and write good business for the agencies that you represent. Bradley Flowers, I love you. Thanks, man. Thanks, David. Guys, you are listening to the Insurance Guys podcast, and we love each and every one of you. Thank you so much for being a part of our family, and we look forward to seeing you back here real soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at scott at iprotectinsurance.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to portalinsurance.com or email him at bradley at portalinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. We thank you so much for listening to our show and being a part of our family. And we look forward to seeing you again next week on the next episode of the Insurance Guys podcast. Take care.